Section 23 of Incidents of Travel in Central America, Chiapas and Yucatan, Volume 1, by John Lloyd Steffens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Chapter 18. Departure for Guatemala, Esparza, Town of Costa Rica, The Barranca, History of a Countryman, wild scenery hacienda of aranjuez river legartos cerros de colito herds of deer santa rosa don juan jose bonilla an earthquake a cattle farm bagaces guanacaste an agreeable welcome bell of guanacaste pleasant lodgings cordilleras volcanoes of rincon and orosi Hacienda of Santa Teresa, Sunset View, the Pacific again. On the 13th day of February, I mounted for my journey to Guatemala. My equipage was reduced to articles of the last necessity. A hammock of striped cotton cloth laid over my pillion, a pair of alforgas, and a poncho strapped on behind. Nicholas had strung across his alvarda behind, a pair of leather cojines in shape like buckets with the inner side flat containing biscuit chocolate sausages and dulces and in front on the pommel my wearing apparel rolled up in an oxhide after the fashion of the country during my whole stay at the convent the attentions of the padre were unremitted besides the services he actually rendered me i have no doubt he considers that he saved my life for during my sickness he entered my room while i was preparing to shave and made me desist from so dangerous an operation i washed my face by stealth but his kindness added another to the list of obligations i was already under to the padres of central america I felt great satisfaction at being able once more to resume my journey, pleased with the lightness of my equipage, the spirit of my mules, and looked my journey of twelve hundred miles boldly in the face. All at once I heard a clattering behind, and Nicholas swept by me on a full run. My macho was what was called espantoso, or scary, and started. I had very little strength, and was fairly run away with. If I had bought my beasts for racing, I should have had no reason to complain. But unluckily, my saddle turned, and I came to the ground, fortunately clearing the stirrups, and the beast ran, scattering on the road pistols, holsters, saddle-claws, and saddle, and continued on bare-backed toward the town. To my great relief, some muleteers interrupted him and saved my credit as a horseman in San Jose. We were more than an hour in recovering scattered articles and repairing broken trappings. For three days my road was the same that I had traveled in entering Costa Rica. The fourth morning I rose without any recurrence of fever. Mr. Lawrence had kindly borne me company from San Jose and was still with me. He had relieved me from all trouble, and had made my journey so easy and comfortable, that instead of being wearied, I was recruited, 
and abandoned all idea of returning by sea at seven o'clock we started and in half an hour reached esparza from this place to nicaragua a distance of three hundred miles the road lay through a wilderness except the frontier town of costa rica there were only a few straggling haciendas twenty thirty and forty miles apart i replenished my stock of provisions and my last purchase was a yard and a half of american cotton from a massachusetts factory called by the imposing name of manta del norte in half an hour we crossed the barranca a broad rapid and beautiful river but which lost in my eyes all its beauty for here mr lawrence left me since the day of my arrival at san jose he had been almost constantly with me had accompanied me in every excursion and during my sickness had attended me constantly he was a native of middleton in connecticut about fifty years old and by trade a silversmith and with the exception of a single return visit had been nineteen years from home in eighteen twenty two he went to peru where besides carrying on his legitimate business upon a large scale his science and knowledge of the precious metals brought him into prominent public positions in eighteen thirty he sold a mint to the government of costa rica and was offered the place of its director business connected with the mint brought him to costa rica and during his absence he left his affairs in the hands of a partner who mismanaged them and died mr l returned to peru but without engaging in active business and in the meantime the mint purchased of him was worn out and another imported from europe so complicated that no one in costa rica could work it offers were made to mr l of such a nature that connected with mining purposes of his own they induced him to return don manuel de aguila was then jefe del estado and on mr l's arrival at the port he met don manuel banished and flying from the state the whole policy of the government had changed mr l remained quietly in san jose and when i left intended to establish himself at point arenas to traffic with the pearl fishermen such is in brief the history of one of our many countrymen scattered in different parts of the world and it would be a proud thing for the country if all sustained as honorable a reputation as his we exchanged adieus from the backs of our mules and not to be sentimental lighted our cigars whether we shall ever meet again or not is uncertain i was again setting out alone i had traveled so long with companions or in ships that when the moment for plunging into the wilderness came my courage almost failed me and it was a moment that required some energy for we struck off immediately into one of the wildest paths that i met on the whole of that desolate journey the trees were so close as to darken it and the branches so low that it was necessary to keep the head constantly bent to avoid hitting them the noise of the locusts which had accompanied us since we reached the mountain of aguacate here became startling 
very soon families of monkeys walking heavily on the tops of the trees disturbed these noisy tenants of the woods and sent them flying around us in such swarms that we were obliged to beat them off with our hats my macho snorted and pulled violently on the bit dragging me against the trees and i could not help thinking if this is the outset what will be the end parting with mr lawrence advanced the position of nicholas man is a talking animal nicholas was particularly so and very soon i knew the history of his life his father was a muleteer and he seemed constructed for the same rough business but after a few journeys to nicaragua he retired in disgust married and had two children the trying moment of his life was when compelled to serve as a soldier his great regret was that he could not read or write and his astonishment that he worked so hard and yet could not get on he wanted to go with me to mexico to go to my country to be away two years and to return with a sum of money in hand as jesus had done he knew that general morazan was a great man for when he visited costa rica there was a great firing of cannons and a ball he was a poor man himself and did not know what the wars were about and supposed that don manuel de aguila was expelled because carillo wanted to be chief we continued in the woods till about two o'clock when turning off by a path to the right we reached a clearing on one side of which was the hacienda of aranjuez the entrance to the house was by a ladder from the outside and underneath was a sort of storehouse it was occupied by a major-domo a mestizo and his wife near it was the cucinera where the wife and another woman were at work the major-domo was sitting on the ground doing nothing and two able-bodied men were helping him the major-domo told us that he had a good potrero for the mules and the house promised a good resting-place for me outside and extending all around was a rough board piazza one side of which commanded a view of the ocean i seated myself on this side and very soon nicholas brought me my dinner it consisted of tortillas rice cooked with lard which he brought in a shell and salt in his hands i finished with a cup of chocolate and could not but think of the blessings wasted by this major-domo in the same situation one of our backwoodsmen with his axe his wife and two pairs of twins would in a few years surround himself with all the luxuries that good land can give after dinner i led the mules to a stream on the banks of which were tufts of young grass and while i was sitting here two wild turkeys flew over my head and lighted on a tree near by i sent nicholas for my gun and soon had a bird large enough for a household dinner which i sent immediately to the house to be converted into provender at sundown i returned and then discovered a deficiency in my preparations which i felt during the whole journey that is of candles a light was manufactured by filling a broken clay vessel with grease and coiling in it some twisted cotton with one end sticking out about an inch 
the workmen on the hacienda took advantage of the light and brought out a pack of cards the wife of the major-domo joined them and seeing no chance of a speedy termination of the game i undressed myself and went to bed when they finished the woman got into a bed directly opposite mine and before lying down lighted another cigar the men did the same on the floor and till the cigars went out continued discussing the game the major-domo was already asleep in the hammock all night the wife of the major-domo smoked and the men snuffled and snored at two o'clock i rose and went out of doors the moon was shining and the freshness of the morning air was grateful i woke nicholas and paying the major-domo as he lay in his hammock at three o'clock we resumed our journey i was charmed with this place when we reached it and disgusted when we left the people were kind and of as good disposition as the expectation of pay could make them but their habits were intolerable the freshness of the morning air restored my equanimity the moon shed a glorious light over the clearing and lighted up the darkness of the forest we heard only the surge of monkeys as disturbed by our noise they moved on the tops of the trees at eight o'clock we reached the river lagartos breaking rapidly over a bed of white sand and gravel clear as crystal and shaded by trees the branches of which met at the fording place and formed a complete arbor we dismounted took off the saddles from our mules and tied them to a tree kindled a fire on the bank and breakfasted wild scenes had long lost the charm of novelty but this i would not have exchanged for a dejeuner a la fourchette at the best restaurant of paris the wild turkey was not more than enough for my household which consisted of nicholas resuming our journey in two hours we emerged from the woods and came into an open country in sight of the cerro of colito a fine bare peak standing alone conical and covered with grass to the top at twelve o'clock we reached the rancho of an indian on one side was a group of orange trees loaded with fruit and in front a shed thatched with leaves of indian corn an old indian woman was sitting in the door and a sick indian was lying asleep under the shed it was excessively hot and riding under the shed i dismounted and threw myself into a ragged hammock and while quenching my thirst with an orange fell asleep the last that i remembered was seeing nicholas drive into the hut a miserable half-starved chicken at two o'clock he woke me and set before me the unfortunate little bird nearly burned up the expense of which with oranges ad libitum was six and a quarter cents which the old woman wished to commute for a charge of gunpowder i was very poor in this and would have given her a dollar but could not help adding the charge of gunpowder to the coin at two o'clock we set off again we had already made a day's journey but i had a good resting place for the night in view it was excessively hot but very soon we reached the woods again we had not gone far before a deer crossed our path it was the first i had seen in the country which was almost destitute of all kinds of game 
indeed during my whole journey except at the wild turkey i had fired but twice and then merely to procure curious birds and most unfortunately in pursuance of my plan of encumbering myself as little as possible i had with me but a few charges of duck shot and half a dozen pistol balls very soon i saw two deer together and within reach of a ball both barrels of my gun were loaded with duck i dismounted and followed them into the woods endeavoring to get within reach in the course of an hour i saw perhaps a dozen and in that hour fired away my last duck shot i was resolved not to use my pistol balls and as both barrels were empty kept quiet as the evening approached the deer increased and i am safe in saying i saw fifty or sixty and many within rifle shot occasionally cattle peeped at us through the trees as wild as the deer the sun was getting low when we came out into a large clearing on one side of which stood the hacienda of santa rosa the house stood on the right and directly in front across the side of a hill was a large cattle yard enclosed by a hard clay wall divided into three parts and filled with cows and calves on the left was an almost boundless plain interspersed with groves of trees and as we rode up a gentleman in the yard sent a servant to open the gate don juan jose bonilla met me at the porch and before i had time to present my letter welcomed me to santa rosa don juan was a native of cartago a gentleman by birth and education and of one of the oldest families in costa rica he had travelled over his own country and what was very unusual in that region had visited the united states and though labouring under the disadvantage of not speaking the language spoke with great interest of our institutions he had been an active member of the liberal party had laboured to carry out its principles in the administration of the government and to save his country from the disgrace of falling back into despotism he had been persecuted heavy contributions had been laid upon his property and four years before he had withdrawn from cartago and retired to this hacienda but political animosity never dies a detachment of soldiers was sent to arrest him and that no suspicion might be excited they were sent by sea and landed at a port on the pacific within the bounds of his own estate don juan received an intimation of their approach and sent a servant to reconnoitre who returned with intelligence that they were within half a day's march he mounted his horse to escape but near his own gate was thrown and his leg badly broken he was carried back insensible and when the soldiers arrived they found him in bed but they made him rise put him on horseback hurried him to the frontiers of the state and left him communicating to him his sentence of banishment and death if he returned the boundary line of the state of costa rica is a river in the midst of a wilderness and he was obliged to travel on horseback to nicaragua a journey of four days he had never recovered the use of his leg 
which was two or three inches shorter than the other. He remained two years in exile, and on the election of Don Manuel de Aguila as chief of state, he returned. On the expulsion of Don Manuel, he retired again to his hacienda, and was then busily engaged in making repairs for the reception of his family. But he did not know at what moment another order might come to expel him from his home. While sitting at the supper-table, we heard a noise over our heads, which seemed to me like the opening of the roof. Don Juan threw his eyes to the ceiling, and suddenly started from his chair, threw his arms around the neck of a servant, and with the fearful words, Temblor! Temblor! An earthquake! An earthquake! All rushed for the doors. I sprang from my chair, made one bound across the room, and cleared the piazza. The earth rolled like the pitching of a ship in a heavy sea. My step was high, my feet barely touched the ground, and my arms were thrown up involuntarily to save myself from falling. I was the last to start, but once under way I was the last to stop. Halfway across the yard I stumbled over a man on his knees and fell. I never felt myself so feeble a thing before. At this moment I heard Don Juan calling to me. He was leaning on the shoulder of his servant with his face to the door, crying to me to come out of the house. It was pitchy dark. Within was the table at which we had sat, with a single candle, the light of which extended far enough to show a few of the kneeling figures, with their faces to the door. We looked anxiously in, and waited for the shock which would prostrate the strong walls and lay the roof on the ground. There was something awful in our position, with our faces to the door, shunning the place which at all other times offers shelter to man. The shocks were continued perhaps two minutes, during which time it required an effort to stand firm. The return of the earth to steadiness was almost as violent as the shock. We waited a few minutes after the last vibration, when Don Juan said it was over, and, assisted by his servant, entered the house. I had been the last to leave it, but I was the last to return, and my chair, lying on its back on the floor, gave an intimation of the haste with which I had decamped. The houses in Costa Rica are the best in the country for resisting these shocks, being, like the others, long and low, and built of adobes or undried bricks, two feet long and one broad, made of clay mixed with straw to give adhesion, and laid, when soft, with upright posts between, so that they are dried by the sun into one mass which moves with the surface of the earth. Before the evening was over, I forgot the earthquake in a minor trouble. The uncultivated grounds of Central America teem with noxious insects. Riding all day in the woods, and striking my head against the branches of trees, had brought ticks down upon me in such numbers that I brushed them off with my hand. I had suffered so much during the day that twice I was obliged to strip at a stream and tear them out of my flesh, 
but this gave me only temporary relief lumps of irritation were left and in the midst of serious disquisitions with don juan it was not polite but i was obliged to use my nails violently and constantly i was fain to entreat of him that he would go out and give me the room to myself he retired and in a moment all my clothes were out of doors and i tore the vipers out by the teeth but don juan sent to my relief a deaf and dumb boy who by touching them with a ball of black wax drew them from their burrowing places without any pain yet they left behind wounds from which i did not recover in a long time early in the morning two horses were at the door and two servants in attendance for a ride don juan mounted the same horse which he had ridden in his exile and was attended by the same servants heretofore i had always heard constant complaints of servants and to do them justice i think they are the worst i ever knew but don juan's were the best in the world and it was evident that they thought he was the best master the estate of don juan covered as much ground as a german principality containing two hundred thousand acres and was bounded on one side for a long distance by the pacific ocean but a small portion of it was cultivated not more than enough to raise maize for the workmen and the rest was a roaming ground for cattle more than ten thousand were wandering over it almost as wild as the deer and never seen except as they crossed a path in the woods or at the season of lassoing them for the purpose of taking an account of the increase we had not gone far before we saw three deer all close together and not far from us it was exceedingly vexatious the first time i was in a country where there was anything to shoot at to be so wholly unprovided and i had no chance of supplying myself till i was out of that region don juan was incapacitated for sporting by his lameness in fact deer shooting was not considered sporting and venison not fit to eat in the course of an hour we saw more than twenty i had set out on this long journey without any cargo mule from the difficulty of procuring one that could keep pace with the riding beasts but we had felt the inconvenience of being encumbered with luggage and besides don juan's kindness to me at his house he furnished me with one which he had broken expressly for his own use in rapid journeys between cartago and the hacienda and which he warranted me with a light load would trot and keep up with mine late in the afternoon i left his hospitable dwelling don juan with his deaf and dumb boy accompanied me a league on the way when we dismounted and took leave of each other my new mule like myself was very reluctant to leave don juan and seemed to have a sentiment that she would never see her old master again indeed it was so difficult to get her along that nicholas tied her by the halter to his mule's tail after a manner common in the country and thus leading her along i followed at her heels the deer were more numerous than i had yet seen them and i now looked at them only as animating a beautiful landscape 
at dark we began to have apprehensions about the road there was a difficult mountain pass before us and nicholas wanted to stop and wait till the moon rose but as that would derange the journey for the next day i pushed on for more than an hour through the woods the mules stumbled along in the dark and very soon we lost all traces of a path while trying to find it we heard the crash of a falling tree which in the darkness sounded appalling and made us hesitate to enter the woods i determined to wait for the moon and dismounted peering into the darkness i saw a glimmering light on the left we shouted with all our strength and were answered by a pack of barking dogs and moving in that direction reached a hut where three or four workmen were lying on the ground who were at first disposed to be merry and impertinent when we asked for a guide to the next hacienda but one of them recognized my cargo mule said that he had known it since he was a child rather doubtful praise of my new purchase and was at length induced to make us an offer of his services a horse was brought large wild and furious as if never bitted snorting rearing and almost making the ground shake at every tread and before the rider was fairly on his back he was tearing in the dark across the plain making a wide sweep he returned and the guide releasing the cargo mule from that of nicholas tied her to the tail of his horse and then led the way even with the drag of the cargo mule it was impossible for him to moderate his pace and we were obliged to follow at a most unhappy rate it was the first piece of bad road we had met with having many sharp turns and ascents and descents broken and stony fortunately while we were in the woods the moon rose touched with a silvery light the tops of the trees and when we reached the bank of the river it was almost as light as day here my guide left me and i lost all confidence in the moon for by her deceitful light i slipped into his hand a gold piece instead of a silver one without either of us knowing it as we ascended the bank after crossing the stream the hacienda was in full sight the occupants were in bed but don manuel to whom i was recommended by don juan rose to receive me on the bank of the river near the house was a large sawmill the first i had seen in the country built as don manuel told me by an american who afterward straggled to guatemala and was killed in some popular insurrection at daylight the next morning as the workmen on the hacienda were about going to work we set off again in an hour we heard the sound of a horn giving notice of the approach of a drove of cattle we drew up into the woods to let them pass and they came with a cloud of dust the faces of the drivers covered and would have trampled to death anything that impeded their progress at eleven o'clock we entered the village of bagases we had made tremendous journeys and it was the first time in four days we had seen anything but single haciendas but we rode through without stopping except to ask for a cup of water late in the afternoon we came into a broad avenue and saw marks of wheels 
At dusk we reached the river, which runs by the suburbs of Guanacaste, the frontier town of Costa Rica. The pass was occupied by an ox-cart with four stubborn oxen, which would not go ahead and could not go back. We were detained half an hour, and it was dark when we entered. We passed through the plaza before the door of the church, which was lighted up for vespers, and rode to a house at which I had been directed to stop. Nicholas went in to make preliminary inquiries, and returning, told me to dismount and unloaded the luggage mule. I went in, took off my spurs, and stretched myself on a bench. Soon it struck me that my host was not particularly glad to see me. Several children came in and stared, and then ran back into another room, and in a few minutes I received the compliments of the lady of the house, and her regret that she could not accommodate me. I was indignant at Nicholas, who had merely asked whether such a person lived there, and without more ado had sent me in. I left the house, and with the halter of my macho in one hand, and spurs in the other, and Nicholas following with the mules, sought the house of the commandant. I found him standing on the piazza, with the key in his hand, and all his household stuff packed up outside, only waiting till the moon rose to set out for another post. I believe he regretted that he could not accommodate me, nor could he refer me to any other house, but he sent his servant to look for one, and I waited nearly an hour up for a bidder. End of section 23